Boxeo is back as the audio invasion continues. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns to invade your senses with another street market dose of that performance enhancing audio. You know it, you want it. Well, hey, you got it as the Brian Campbell returns after a busy weekend in the sweet science. We'll be here to recap the action, including Garcia Broner from Brooklyn and look ahead to this weekend's fights, including Vasily Lomachenko's ESPN debut as he defends that junior lightweight title and that pound-for-pound standing among the sports best. We've also got one heck of a guest this week as junior welterweight champion Terrence Crawford stops by to preview his August 19th return and much, much more. But before I tag in Big Red and get this tag team back again, let me remind you to do your part in this relationship. Yes, people ask me all the time, B-Cams, are you serious that leaving a review actually helps the show? You're serious? Yeah, you better believe I'm serious. It does. So if you like what you hear today, if you see something, you might as well say something. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Do us a solid subscribe, rate, review. Really only takes a minute of your time for all the time we're investing in invading your lives. Not too much to ask. But look, we want you to want me on this podcast. And most importantly, we want you to show some respect for the ITC. I respect box. I respect Everybody, I respect everybody. Athletes. Yeah, I could, by the way, I could just play Triple G Sound Drops the entire episode and be completely fine with that. But without any further ado, let me tag in my bro hammer to nail this podcast down. A native of lower Manhattan, he's an international author, writer, and lover of all things cruiserweights. <laughs> Rafe Bartholomew Big Red, how in the heck is it? Cruising was made for box. Respect was made for box. Brian, Adrian, Adrian is, Adrian is good boy. Huh? Don't you believe after uh, Saturday, Adrian good boy? Adrian is, uh, the, you know, the, the, the full Adrian Broner, uh, comeback show full circle. It, uh, we didn't get it. We got a show? I know. Well, I don't know. We, 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 lead us, lead, lead us down, down whichever path you choose. Well, we Brian, might as uh, well. But, but, Get right into. I was going to ask you first. You know, how was your weekend? You you put any steaks on the grill? You sell any more books? Two and two McSorley's. My dad and me. I mean, you know, if we don't have to shill for the people, we can get right into some AB action. It's your I'm choice. I'm always down for some shilling. AB can wait. Yeah, no, I am. I'm always shilling this book. Uh, you know, two and two McSorley's. My dad and me. Book about the bar I grew up in in New York. It's still out there. Amazon, any bookstore. Actually, going up to the Bay Area to do a reading later Whoa. this week. So yeah, we can get some get a little shill action in there. I'm always I'm always game. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a fun weekend. I'm down to talk about that, too. Are you going to read the book yourself? Or are you, since you're in the Bay Area, going to hire the Careless Whisperer, uh, good old Verge, to, to jump in the Virgil Hunter and, and, and maybe read a few bars for you? Do we call it bars in the literary game? <laughs> I don't, you know, I mean, I, I think, I think the figurative, yeah, you know, you read a good book and you could, you could, you could drop in and like, oh, he got bars. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm too young for forties and too young for blood. Oh, I'm going freestyle again. No. <laughs> Mikey Garcia this weekend, Rafe in Brooklyn, a unanimous decision over Adrian Broner and their junior welterweight matchup. I love that for once we had a good fight without a belt, but of course the WBC had to drop a diamond belt in our, in our laps. We had to get more of Mauricio Jr. in the ring, but the key here was the fight. Most people scored this a shutout or 10 to 2 for Garcia. The exact scores were 117, 111 and 116, 112, two times over. You can argue all you want on whether this was an 8-4 or a 12-0 fight. The point was, Rafe, a pound-for-pound level talent already in Mikey Garcia made one of those large statements. It wasn't the full knockout you predicted, but you know what? It could have been had A.B. maybe been a little bit more uh, action-oriented or stepped on the gas a little bit more. In the end, it was, I don't want to say star-making performance, but this might be the best performance of M.G.'s career. And for a guy we hoped could be this good, you do love to see fights like this where someone puts on the big boy shoes and steps up to that next level. Yeah, it was, you know, I mean, I, I think it was in some ways what I, you know, had that, that epiphany moment last week, uh, and expected. It really was that statement of, of Mikey saying, no, I am on a entirely different level of class, 
uh, than, than at least Adrian Broner and, and deserves to be thought of in that, uh, you know, maybe he hasn't earned it yet in terms of resume, but probably is going to be inching up there. And we can talk about this in, in terms of pound for pound rankings. I mean, you go, you start to think of him at least talent level and what he's starting to show us in the ring. And it really has shown us over the years, you know, uh, Start looking in that that middle to top end of the of of the top five if you really get that break get down to it. I mean he's 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 the full package. That's the thing. I mean he and that was what was amazing about this performance the way he showed. I mean he showed so many different uh, just dimensions to to his game in the ring. So are you saying his package runs, had different wrinkles? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, look, uh, every every good package is going to be able to, to to have lots of different sides to it, you know, not too many warts, but a wrinkle here and there never hurt nobody. Um, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, depends on the color of the wrinkle. Um, but Mikey had, you know, wrinkles galore. Uh <laughs> let me let me bring it back to Yeah, why don't you why don't you be a good boy and bring it back, Gabriel? Uh, uh, no, I think Rosado good boy. Gabriel, come on, bring us back, bring us back. Um, but no, uh, you know, uh, Mikey, you know, from the first four rounds where the way he, he was cutting off the ring when, when Broner was sort of trying to move and, 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 and slow down his offense. I mean, that was almost like vintage triple G that the, the footwork, the way that, you know, every time Broner went, you know, made a move, he found himself back in a corner. Uh, and, and now obviously it wasn't, you know, the power, the finishing that we have seen from Gennady Golovkin in, in some of his fights, but just the way that, that Mikey controlled the ring. And then later in the fight, when, when Broner tried to bring it back into the middle of the ring, be a little more aggressive, uh, and you, we saw Mikey control that as well, you know, getting off first, landing more and cleaner punches through almost every round, um, and, and being willing to, willing to, to, you know, work the body more than we've seen and really work it effectively. I mean, those were some of his best punches of the fight were just, you know, he's like, okay, you know, Adrian Broner, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, bring your, your, your guard up real high and, and let me work the body. Cool. I will hit you with left hooks, straight rights. I mean, combinations, uh, he would, and, and, and on top of that, what was the other thing that was really sort of breathtaking? The way that, uh, that Garcia, even, even when Adrian Broner was using that high, high guard, he, right away adjusted Garcia right away adjusted and started throwing his right his straight right just looping it around the guard and catching it on the catching uh Broner on the ear on the side of the head looked a lot like Floyd Mayweather doing that to Miguel Cotto back in the day yeah. I mean it was everything uh and 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 it, and I and, and against I think Adrian Broner who came to fight um can you know now there's always I I Broner I think always leaves a little something on the table that that you know you could you could wish he did a little bit more and we can talk about that but i think this was a good version of adrian broner basically getting outclassed which i would say is different from what we saw in some of his other losses yeah let's pause on broner for one second i want to finish off some of the things you said about mikey i don't think i've seen a fighter be able to split a high guard as as consistently and powerfully as Mikey does. I don't know if he just turns his hand sideways and slips it in there, but the speed and the power, he just breaks down people's defenses. He, he needed to raise his punch output to set a tone in this. And I, and you have to give him credit for how he did it. The technique was flawless. It's almost like, see, he's not flashy. So a lot of guys that have really strong technique without flash, they end up being robotic and there's ways to sort of work around that and kind of, you know, expose them. Mikey has a way of being robotic in a good way in the fact that he's always controlling distance, like you mentioned, like Triple G, always cutting off the ring, but will always make you pay with that right hand, is never putting himself in a position where he can get countered bad. That's something Triple G does well. You never see him off balance or leaning. It's always sort of like robotic in a good way. Always stationary perfect balance. That's something Mikey does so well. I mean, you heard the announcers just gushing over the technique. They've, you've almost never seen a performance this flawless. And sometimes when you interview Mikey Garcia, the problem can be is that his personality is pretty vanilla. It's hard to get him to get emotional in any other in any direction. That helps him Rafe in the ring because that's sort of his true personality so much because even after AB in AB went on a run, let's say rounds nine, ten, even eleven mm -hmm. and twelve were some of his better runs. All three judges split the last four rounds on the cards. That might have been a little bit generous, but certainly that tenth round had the most action of the fight. AB really kind of stunned Mikey twice. You know, caught him with that left hook in his tracks. Mm -hmm. 
you have to love the way Mikey adjusted to that, sort of reset himself and then went right back to business. That lack of emotion is what sort of makes him almost like a silent killer. It's not, it, you know, you don't get a lot of early knockouts out of Mikey, but against specifically the smaller opponents, just breaks them down over time and then sets up that finish. And when he does get dudes out of there, it's usually destructive. I felt like if AB had gone all in late in that fight and really decided to cross the line and fight recklessly, we probably would have had a stoppage. Now, to the point on Broner, I think Paulie was spot on when, you know, the other Showtime broadcaster started to say, you know, is this another one of those A-B performances where he's not emptying the tank completely? I like that Paulie jumped in and just said, no, A-B's crisp tonight. His punches are on point. He's moving very well. He's in shape. Everything seems to be across the board good. He just fought a guy that was better than him in every category, essentially, right? And you like, AB's great at sort of freestyling. He has the technique and he's got, but he uses that athleticism really as his calling card. He was unable to freestyle against this type of offense. I mean, he was really minimalized to almost looking like an average fighter. And I think across the board, you give Garcia credit to that, but I don't crap on AB. The, my Twitter feed was sort of saying, you know, once again, AB not going for it. No, I think AB sort of hit a certain wall at some points in this fight where he's like, I can't get over the top of this wall unless I be reckless. And really, AB's not a reckless fighter. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, uh, you know, just to, jumping back just a second to what you're saying about, you know, why, it, you know, Mikey can sometimes seem robotic. But but so, I didn't get that feeling at all in this fight. I think, one, because of the quality of opponent in Broner, who does, you know, did bring more, you know, force, uh, I think, force Mikey to show us more dimensions to his, you know, to his game than he he's had to in the past. Um, and, and, and also, um, also because he, he, Mikey is such a, you could tell he is how you start to see how smart he is as a fighter and, and how many different weapons he has, the variety he was using. I mean, he was throwing, you know, you're talking about splitting Broner's high guard. Uh, well, it's, it, I think a lot of that had to do with, with Garcia throwing, you know, throwing lead left hooks, leading to the body sometimes, leading, you know, leading with that sort of looping right around the guard. So, and, and then also doing his sort of signature one, two, which is one of the best in the sport from what, you know, we've seen in previous fights. So he was really, you know, he was really making Broner pay for, for, you know, staying in the high guard with other offense. And then when he figured out times to slip it in, as you like to say, he was right there. Um, now, Broner, yes, I think you're right. This was a good version of Broner. The one thing that, and, you know, maybe he would have, uh, maybe he would have paid for this and gotten knocked down or hurt or stopped. Um, but towards the end of the fight, I, you know, I, I would have liked to see Broner sell out for real, like just to be reckless because, uh, the, you know, he, he started off moving. And that didn't, and he wasn't winning and he was basically getting swept that way. Then he moved to the center of the ring and, and, and let it be a, you know, a, a little more of a back and forth fight was losing most of those exchanges was still getting beat to the punch. Uh, later in the fight, you say you like the, those rounds that the judges split. He's his, he did seem to have some success, not necessarily winning those rounds because he's getting outworked in, in them in, in a lot of cases, but Broner's Broner did seem to be stronger than than Mikey Garcia and and Mikey Garcia looked strong in this fight but physically you know some of some, it looked like a a handful of Broner's punches that that left hook uh you know a cup a body shot that seemed to double Mikey over uh, a round or two after that just for a, a brief moment they, he seemed to be having a little bit of success now uh you know, again, he, he's, Garcia is so sharp, such a good counter puncher. It might have been, uh, you know, I, I don't know, at least in terms of the fight, suicidal to, to, to go full reckless, just like throw everything at the wall. But, um, you know, it also seemed that Broner, despite taking a lot of good shots from, from Garcia, wasn't getting that shaken up. And he said at the end of the fight, that he was never hurt. And, and I, I do basically believe that in, you know, in boxing terms, like he was never like, you know, really, really, you know, shaken up. And that's partly because he was fighting pretty, you know, in a very, uh, in a defensive, in a, you know, in a defensive stance that was preventing him from taking, you know, really, really, really damaging punches. Um, and maybe if he opens up, he gets hit with those and does get hurt, knocked down, maybe knocked out. But, if he got that far in the fight and was thinking, hm, I've gotten hit clean a few times. He's landing shots to the body and head, and I haven't, I haven't been in bad trouble yet. But I'm losing. I'm, I'm down six, seven, eight rounds from the beginning. Just sell out. Yeah. You know, he, I mean, I, 
Now, does he win that fight? I mean, is does what are his chances? Like, you know, if you wanted to play like uh, five thirty eight and come up with a win percentage for for his for, to win that fight against a guy as good as Mikey Garcia, uh, you know, does what are is maybe maybe he's only got a ten percent chance of winning, but he was down to somewhere between zero and five percent chance, and and he I think that you know that you not, it's not really a criticism because uh, you know he. Broner did make a few efforts. I don't think he totally sold out. Uh, and that might be the difference between, you know, I mean, there are fighters who can do that, who can muster that kind of like, I don't care. I give, I'm going for it right now, no matter what happens. Uh, and some fighters don't. And that's, that, that's in the personality of a person and, yeah, and, I don't a, and a fighter. I don't hold that against him in this one because he was pretty much outgunned the whole fight. And even though he had a couple moments, you know, did he not, all in all, did he not throw enough punches? Certainly. You could, that's certainly a criticism. It's been a criticism throughout a lot of his career. I think though that there were times in this fight that he tried to throw more punches yeah. and he just hit a guy who was better timing as good or better speed and was just constantly in the right spot to stop him from wanting to throw more. So I don't criticize him for not going for it because he had some late round surges where he upped his, uh, upped his output. He went for it and he tried to win the fight. Okay. He never tried to recklessly win the fight by knockout, but I retain criticism in that regard because because he kept trying to win the fight in his own ways. Yeah. Now, he's going to hurt himself long run for the post-fight interview where he says, no matter what, you're still paying to see me. Whether I fight tomorrow, you're going to be watching me. That stuff, of course, comes off as crass and sort of crybaby-ish. I to, don't know. To I, a degree, he's right, though, right? I mean, like, in general, I, he's look, right. I, you know, I, I remember, I, I, you know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't watch the, the interview live at the moment. And, and then when I rewatched it and I'd seen all the commentary on Twitter that it was a big, you know, oh, here goes Broner again, thinks he's still a star. You know what? Like, what is he supposed to say? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's, he can be more gracious. Um, that's not, it's never been the way he sort of expresses himself. But he was uh, gracious I, I though. I offended by this. He fought well. He fought hard. It was a good fight. He got beat by a guy who I think I feel comfortable saying is a top level talent in the sport and is better than Adrian Broner. Now, Absolutely. You know, Broner, you know, eventually, if you keep lose, if you lose forever, 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 yes, eventually that juice, whatever hype, it gets hard to hype someone. But Broner is, you know, fought well in this fight, and took the and and sort of did something that that people don't give him credit for, which is take his career seriously. I mean, he, he was he back. made the weight no problem. It didn't look like he was drained. He said, "I wasn't tired." He wasn't. He didn't look tired. He well, let he me came tell you what stronger at the end. What oh. the what the final synopsis coming out of here for me is: Had he been in there against like Danny Garcia tonight, which is a fight like obviously should have happened already, we want to see. I think he probably would have lost, but I think he would have been much more competitive. It would have been a really good fight. So what's my final take on what we get from this? I think AB's taking his career serious again, so I give him a plus there. I don't think he will ever be top end elite. I think he showed that here against Garcia. I don't think he will ever be a pay-per-view star like he thinks because you sort of have to be top end elite to get there or just be so far off the rails even worse than AB was in his off the rails prime. But I think he's still going to be a cable star who went against when he goes in against the middle tier guys he's going to beat them and he's going to talk trash and he's going to look a mix of good and you know still not putting it together perfectly and he's going to be competitive against like the Danny Garcia level of upper elites that have their own holes in their game. So in the end I think he does get pointed upward from this performance and that's what you kind of hoped out of him if we found out that Garcia is as good as we thought which we did then AB still had a chance to redeem himself in a defeat so I say AB you did that you won that battle I want to see you again and like I said I want to see you again against those Danny Garcia types I don't think it's full-on gatekeeper status yet I think there's still time for him to maybe even win another belt in the right matchup but Mikey Garcia legitimized the pound for pound claim Lou DeBella says Mikey number one pound for pound after this that's maybe too far of a leap we need to see a little bit more but I haven't finalized my pound for pound yet for this week but I think off the top of my head, I have no problem. I had him, you know, right around 10, 11 the last, you know, few months, last the last year. I have no problem dropping him right in the middle of that top 10, Rafe, because this is that kind of performance. I mean, you, you saw that when you move forward, what kind of fight do you want to see in Mikey Garcia next? When as a fan, you have to be happy about this. He says, I'll go back to 35 to defend my title. So that means any big name coming up can can be there. I'll stay at 40 or I'll even go to 47 for the big money. Who do you want to see him against? It is, you know, it's a really sort of tricky question for him, I think, because although he looked good, uh, obviously looked great against Broner, um, his the power that we associate him wasn't there. Now that may be because Broner is a, is a you know is good a chin. strong fighter who has a chin. 
has gotten up when he's gotten, you know, hurt bad by, by, you know, by, uh, by my guy, Chino Maidana in the past. Um, but like, still that power wasn't there for, for, for Mikey in, in this fight. Um, and he's, you know, and, and Broner was someone who, when he went up to 147, found that he was basically too small for that weight. Uh, at least again, you know, I mean, you know, against, yeah, my, in his losses at, you know, uh, what was the Porter fight? 144? Was it yeah, some strange? Yeah, something, something right in the middle. Against, there. against strong welterweights, the, 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 the strength and size and physicality is one of the things that hurt Broner besides getting outworked and some of the other things in those losses to Porter and Maidana. Uh, so the idea that Mikey, who bait was, I think pretty clearly the smaller man in this fight, and I don't want to get too much into into Teddy territory with the smaller man. But there are some, you know, there's some limits to to to, uh, to weight classes and and moving up, so moving up, 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 up. So uh, I don't, I I think it is dangerous for for Mikey to 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 look at 147 as a a goal in the near term. Now, if there's a big fight, you know, listen, this is something that I think every boxer on a pound for pound level should be doing if they are between like 135. And 154 pounds. Call out Floyd Mayweather after every, you know, that's yeah, the one thing I, I give I, Jeff Horn credit for. Floyd currently is an active boxer, even if the, you know, what, what are the chances that you actually get under his skin and, and somehow get him to, to give you a fight down the line, assuming he, he beats Conor McGregor in August? Uh, you know, um, unlikely, but why not? Throw it out there. Get your name, get your name in that hype because, some, you know, like you could get into the mainstream. M- Mikey could have gotten into the mainstream press, uh, you know, today, you know, this, this week, Monday, uh, after the fight just by saying, you know what, Floyd Connor, you can't. You know, I'm coming for you. You know, I mean, even if it's, it's not him, BS, though. we know just, it though. It's smart. It. It's just not him. It's not okay. But I mean, anybody. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I, this is all good boxers in that weight class, in that range, do that. Um. So anyway, I th- but but in terms of what what's next for Mikey, um, you know, it's da- I, the the. I think it is dangerous to keep going up because if he's already, you know, if the power seems to be running out against Broner, who is, was not a big 147 pound fighter, uh, the idea of getting in there against someone like Errol Spence, some, some, some of their truly well, there's elite. There's no money he, in that. It's gotta be big. He said it's gotta be big money for 47. So to me, that really <laughs> means Pacquiao, Mayweather, or no one else. So it's probably 40 or less. I gotta think Crawford. You, is there anyone else that you're like, I want to see more than Garcia against Crawford? Not at all. I mean, that is a just a dream fight. Even and and also in that you know Crawford basically came up from similar a uh, similar weight class you know rank, weight range as as Mikey is in there and and um, fighting at 140 is a is just a perfect place for them to meet. I think it would. I mean, that's the kind of fight that the winner of that would have a claim on being the top pound for pound fighter in the world. I mean, that would just re and what a matchup in terms of they have they fight differently but have so much so many similar qualities as well you were talking before about Mikey's composure really the only two fighters that that fight with that absolutely cold-blooded you know uh um you know just never ever frazzled moments in a fight are in 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 that that stone-faced demeanor really are 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 Terrence Crawford and Mikey Garcia and you know Mikey kind of you know even though even though you know, even though Crawford's been been stopping opponents more recently, you think of Mikey as maybe a bigger puncher, but who knows at this weight? Um, I it, hey, it techni- as a technical matchup, uh, you can't ask for more. Mikey's the only guy, like I said, I think can on paper I would favor against Crawford. We're gonna ask Crawford about that later in the show. They fought in the amateurs once. Very excited if we can get that fight. Politics, you know, may get in the way, but Mikey is sort of a free agent, or so we thought. He did have a mention though in that post-fight interview when they asked him who he wants next. Credit to Jim Gray for mentioning people across the street. Mikey said, "Whoever wants to come over here on Showtime." So there's there's probably some some backroom deal, some some you know bread being buttered there on the TV side. We'll see how it plays out on that undercard. Let's be quick through here. Jamal Charlo made his middleweight debut with splashing one. Of course, it was tainted by the fact that Argentinian Jorge Sebastian Highland or, or Hayland or Island or I think he was on an island by himself on one leg. I think he was using the prosthetic league that Sergio Martinez used in the 2014 Cotto middleweight fight. Uh, what a debacle. I don't really think we saw anything from Jamal. Unfortunately, he becomes Triple G's number one. What do you got? You got a meme? What do you got? You got a reaction? What do you got for me from Charlo Highland? 
Oh, my favorite thing about this fight was that uh, was that I read after the fact that that Highland that the, the the commission came in and saw the tape on his knee and were like, "What are you are you injured or something?" First of all, I, I believe they did a physical with him. Like, would, wouldn't something have come up? <laughs> That's uh, bad. That's bad for so, boxing. But so they look at they look at his the, the 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 tape on his knee and they're like, "What's that?" He says, "Oh, it's for good luck." And they're like, "Oh, okay, but you got to take it off." Uh, and, and then he like you know hops into the ring on one leg and and uh, lasts uh, a few rounds. Right now, gun to your head, Jamal Charlo versus Triple G. He's the number one. He's a mandatory number one for it. Who knows if we can see it? If politics will get in the way, who knows? But. Gun to your head, can Jamal go the distance and be competitive? What how, what does it look like? We love our, our 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 recurring segment. What does it look like? Can he go the distance against Triple G? Um, I don't think so. Um, at least given you know, it's hard to tell. We haven't seen him against that sort of level of competition or much that close. Um, he the thing that trouble that I saw trouble Triple G the most against. Danny Jacobs, and also against Kelbrook was just the movement. They, he wasn't able, he got, a, in some cases, he looked a little overeager, a little frustrated, and started, uh, and, and so started getting off balance and sort of winging punches in, in ways that we weren't, aren't used to seeing, uh, Gennady Golovkin do. Um, and other, and other times, they were just too quick for him to, for his, for his footwork to handle. Like, you know, he would corner them, but they would circle out just before he could really get them in big trouble. Um, we haven't seen Charlo move like that. He is a good counterpuncher. He's got great power. He would, uh, make Triple G think a little, but I also think that, uh, you know, I think that Golovkin at this point, until we see more out of Charlo, uh, I would not expect him to be able to compete on that level. We don't know if he has, if they have chins yet, the Charlo brothers, if they have legit top end chins. That would be interesting to find out. But man, I think these guys are going to be spoilers. I think they're uber talented. And like I said on last week's show from my interview with Jamal, they're winners and they're, they're a little bit nasty. I mean, I think you, uh, you, you were passing around in my DMs that, uh, Ellie Secback take a step back video from the tunnel in Brooklyn when, uh, Demetrius Andrade was there, the, the former 154 titleist, and he almost got into it with one of the Charlos and it was like zero to 60 in that second where the Charlos were, were like, I'll kill you. Like, they were like, I'm an animal. Yeah. I'm ready. I, I didn't even know which, cause, bo- cause, uh, the, Jamal had had showered already. They were both in street clothes. I couldn't tell in that moment which Jer- Charlo brother it was, but they got right in Demetrius's face and they had to break it apart. It got me fired. The Charlos are old school. They bring it. They want to knock fools out. I am so high on the Charlo train right now, like two two. That you know you're gonna have to pull me out of there. I'm not saying I'm ready to predict them over Triple G, but I'm saying it's a fight. I want to see it. Rafe Sunday night though. Vo our guy. We talked to him last week. He was back. He was back in a big way. Ko four. Over Saul Corral in Bakersfield, California, in FS1 card Sunday night. Ha! <sighs> so, Vio, uh, great to have you back in a big way. He delivered a highlight reel knockout, but you know, this was a made-to-order comeback. I'm not saying he shouldn't be in a made-to-order comeback fight. I'm just saying I didn't learn a thing from this fight, Rafe, because Vio, to his detriment still squares up and comes at you and it was clear from the first half of the first round that Corral the journeyman had no power to get Vio out of there and make him pay I still feel like the next time Vio steps in against a legit opponent he's getting knocked out in the first or second round that's my take I love the comeback I love the highlight reel knockout I love the post-fight interview but dude I mean that was tough well, yeah, I mean, what, fool me, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me seventeen thousand times, Victor Ortiz. <laughs> you know, I mean, how you, you, there's, you, you know, no, no one should believe that. Uh, I, you know, no one should believe that Ortiz's comeback is real in a competitive sense until you see him in some trouble, fight through it against a good opponent, and um, and he hasn't done that, you know, in a very long time since the since the since the first win over Berto. But he still um, must see TV. Like I popped watching this. Oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I hope he does find that. Look, people grow. I mean, this is not crazy. He's still physically, he is a prime fighter who kind of by being inactive because of all of his weird stuff. It doesn't have as much miles on him as he might at, at this age. Um, can he turn that into a positive for his career? I, you know, not again, like I wouldn't bet on it, but it's, it's not impossible. And look, if I were them, I'd be like, you know, taking him to the sports psychologist, hypnotizing him, brainwashing him. Ultra, go get, with a distance. To, 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 you know, anything you can get to, to make Victor Ortiz 
because in the recent fights, it's basically just been once he runs into some opposition, he gets hurt a little, something clicks, and 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 the fight's over soon after that. Um, and uh, if you can get him over that hump, you got a real dangerous welterweight again. And he had a 15 month layoff. I didn't really think he looked that crisp. I didn't think his power really looked that good. Although he did finish off Corral with, with some some direct stiff shots there. It's like I'm torn. I want to see him again, but I don't want to see him taking this kind of punishment. I'm young, but I don't think I deserve to be, you know, getting beat up like this. And I, so. yeah, Vo, I agree with you. So like. To run him in there, like, it's like, what do you do with him? To run him in there in, like, a circus fight against AB, I think he gets knocked out in the second round, you know? You want to do a third Birdo fight? Fine. I'd, I'd pop for it, right? He could still knock Birdo down, but Vio's getting knocked out in the second or third round. I almost legitimately wish that they would bring back, like, 45-year-old Ricardo Mayorgo or one-eyed Antonio Margarito and do that level of fights, put him on Tuesday night or Sunday night FS1 cards and make guys like us pop for it. I mean, it's just... It's tough because I, it's like you love the guy. Like I love the guy. I don't want to see him taking that kind of punishment, you know, against legit fighters. He's there's some talk about a Colazo rematch. He was talking before this fight Josecito. about Josecito. That's Josecito. the rematch I want. Yeah, Josecito bites my jaw. Yeah, I mean, we'll oh. never forget what Vio said about diabetes. No, no, no. I just came here to support the cause, man. Uh, diabetes and all that, man. It's it's kind of crazy. Uh, no, honestly, it's a cool thing, honestly, though. like. Josecito it's Lopez cool thing, is a, it make, makes sense. Uh, if you're talking about the rematches out there, you know, Josecito is sort of, it looks like he's been on the downswing. He's gotten a little, he seems maybe a little punchier than he was in the past. Um, you know, that's one. If you're looking at a, a step up that would have a little bit of meaning career wise because it would be trying to offend, avenge the, the big upset. Uh, that one makes a little bit of sense. And, and the truth is, honestly, uh, if, 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 you know, Victor Ortiz can't, you know, win at that level, then then it's dangerous to be putting him in against much, much better opponents. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. 30 seconds or less analysis on a couple of recent headlines. One of them this past weekend, Zhu Ming, the Zhu Ming tour is over, KO'd by Sho Kimura in Shanghai. Zhu was defending his WBO flyweight title. He kind of went down on an accumulation of punches. He was wobbly on his feet. The referee waved it off. We hadn't seen Zhu, we hadn't seen Zhou lose since Amnot Runrog, the unbeaten, uh, defeated him in that March 2015 IBF flyweight title bout. Rafe, uh, 30 seconds or less. Uh, will you ever care about Zoo again? And, uh, and man, this was, uh, there was a time where him, his making a debut in Macau was like front page news for boxing fans. Those days are over. Well, shout out to Eric Raskin and William Detloff, the defunct Ring Theory podcast and their pronunciation of I'm not wrong. Uh, <laughs> but really, no, I mean, look, I, I kind of, there was a time where I wish this would have happened on a bigger stage where like Zushiming, because he wasn't that good and because he was getting hyped to the moon, he was going like, to, like his eventual, his eventual like sort of Broner versus Maidana style comeuppance was going to be a great boxing internet moment. Instead, he lost to wrong. Wrong, and uh, and that moment sort of came with a, a fizzle, but so it goes. Um, Too bad he I, couldn't you know, have got cashed out fun. against Chocolatito. He would have punched him like out of the ring, right? I mean, would have been beautiful. Point. Oh man, that, now that's the boxing internet moment I wanted. All right, Jeff Horn came out with a boxing internet moment on Instagram and goes at Errol Spence saying, "Errol Spence, let's fight, let's unify. There will be a man down. Wow, dude, that man down, of course, is Errol Spence's catchphrase." That's poking the bear a little too far. We love us some Jeff Horn. Rafe, that's reaching a little too far. 30 seconds or less. What do you got on this guy? Yeah, as Jay-Z said, do not bark up that tree. That tree will fall on you. It's just a, like, <laughs> Jeff, be patient. Be patient, Jeff. I mean, you you have a, a Pacquiao rematch waiting for you and a fight that was competitive and you won on the cards. Just wait for that. Make that money. And if you win, then, then you know, can start fighting the, the real dangerous guy yeah. because they're going to beat him. I'm like, don't call off Terrence Crawford. I mean, even VO will tell you. Dude, this is nuts. Yeah, you don't want any part of that. <laughs> Finally, Rafe Mayweather-McGregor all-access part one debuted this past Friday on Showtime. Rafe, I was, like, really underwhelmed and disappointed. It was basically a recap of the four-city international world press tour. If you were guys like us who were who had to watch every second of it, it was sort of like, you know, been there, done that. There was a little bit extra behind the scenes. The only part that popped for me was when both were about to get on the same plane to go to London for the fourth day after Brooklyn – Floyd sitting there on a couch in the private airport, the the Zeta, you know, private planes. McGregor walks in and, and Floyd's like, hey, what's up, little man? They sort of have like a little trash talk slash we, we get the final score. We're both going to be laughing at the bank moment. Did you care at all about this at all? Well, I think it was setting the tone for, I guess, 
well, who Showtime believes might be the casual, you know, Showtime watchers who didn't watch, you know, the press tour. So uh, I'm hopeful. I mean, look at these guys, especially with Connor uh, and, and what he, the stuff he will say and do to sell a fight. I'm very hopeful that the the following episodes of this kind of take off and 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 get us hyped for this fight in a way. I think it's very possible. But yeah, this one was sort of just a, a throwaway set, laying the groundwork for uh, people who maybe haven't been following, for the casuals. Yeah, throwaway. We'll see Gervonta Davis on the undercard. It's the only name that we know will be on that pay-per-view main undercard. Dan Rayfield of ESPN reporting that it's Rocky Martinez most likely. I'd pop for that, Rafe. The problem is that's not like a crossover fight, but it would be a 130-pound title fight. Gervonta's hot right now. We know Rocky will brawl. I mean, those fights with Salido were classics. I'd pop for that, but that's not going to win, like, casual fans, will it? Uh, No, but hey, that's a – I mean, look, as a boxing fan, they're trying to make – you know, they're trying to make Javante Davis into a thing. Uh, Good. If he can if he can beat a, a guy like, like Roman Martinez, that would be serious. That's a real opponent. That's a real win. Uh, It's someone we've seen Lomachenko knock out. It's and, – and, and someone who's been in those great fights with Orlando Salido. He's a tough customer. He gets a lot of draws he doesn't deserve. Uh, And, uh, you know, that's a real boxing uh, – like, and just in terms of, like – Building a boxing career, that's a good fight, and I, I'd want to see it. I don't really care what the casuals think. Yeah, maybe we'll see Badu Jack. Maybe we'll see Jaleon Love. Maybe we'll see Porky Medina. And I don't know. Who cares at this point? No one's going to be watching the undercard. Rafe, let's talk to somebody, a real pound-for-pound pound machine himself, and Terrence Crawford, who returns August 19th against Julius Ndongo. That's a real fight. That's on ESPN and real fight because it's a four-belt junior welterweight unification. We don't see that too often. Let's talk to Bud himself. He's from Omaha. Here he is. Enjoy. Terrence, you don't see this too often, right? All four belts on the line. Very rare when you look back through the history books. Why was that important for you in this fight? Well, um, for one, this is the first time in history in this weight class that this will be happening uh, for all four belts. I just felt like you know, it was something that I was chasing for. Uh, it's so hard to get other champions to fight other champions. You know, um, promotional issues or people from uh, out of the country, they don't want to come to the United States and fight you. Or, or it's a whole bunch of things that lead champions not to fight each other and in this case, uh, both parties was excited to fight each other, and now we're both about to make history. You know, you did mention that behind the scenes a lot, what the fans don't see. What is that like? Are there things we don't see fighters, you know, turning things down that would sort of make them look bad? We don't see what that's like. How difficult is that to get another grown man to, to, to agree to terms these days? Well, it's real difficult. You know, sometimes a fighter may outprice yourself. Uh, sometimes a fighter may want to go a different direction. Sometimes a, a manager or promoter want to protect his fighter and don't uh, take the risk. Um, it's a lot of things. Great. So, Terrence, I want to ask you a little bit more about Indongo, your your opponent. Um, you know what? I, you know, I remember after you beat Felix Diaz earlier this year, you really, you know, you sort of step right and say, if Indongo wants it, he's in the crowd, he can get it. Um, you know, what do you, you know, what do you see in him as an opponent? Um, you know, what 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 are, what are you preparing for against him? Well, he's he's a he's a good fighter. He's uh, very tall and rangy. He uh, got some power, got some speed. He can box. He's a southpaw. Um, he likes to use his distance. Uh, that's pretty much uh, what I see in him. He he's uh, very very conservative at times. Where to? He don't like to let his fighter get it, his opponent get in get in inside of him. So you know, we got our work cut out for us, but. I feel like I can, I can handle it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I mean, it's it's not so common for for you as a, a pretty tall, um, you know, before very tall, lightweight, now very tall, junior welterweight to to face uh, opponents who are as tall or taller than you. Uh, but you did it just last year against Victor Postal. Do you think that ex- that fight against Postal, you know, that experience is going to help you deal with uh, the length, the the ranginess that that Indongo brings? 
Well, I've been I've been fighting taller guys all my life. You know, I'm only five eight. It may look like I'm taller on TV, but um, I've been fighting taller people all my career. You know, mm-hmm. you can go back to Prescott, right? Uh, Anthony Moore, um, and so forth. You look at Ricky Burns; he was taller than me. Um, you can the list can go go on and on, and, but that's not a problem. You just got to make your adjustments and go on the fly. Got you. Um, and I guess some people, I guess one thing that Ndongo may have coming into this fight, uh, and obviously we don't know what's going on in his head, but it's that, you know, this is, you could say that this is his one shot at, at the big, you know, at, at big time stardom in the sport where, I mean, I don't think I remember when, when he showed up at your fight against Felix Diaz, uh, I remember them saying that th- that was his first time in the United States, and this is going to be his first time fighting in the United States. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, do you that kind of hunger, that sort of like one shot only, um, you know, do you think that's going to be something, you know, he's going to come at you with? Of course, of course. He, uh, just like, just like me, he's building off of the momentum from his last two fights, uh, winning two world championships titles, well, three world championship titles in his last two fights. So, in the other opponent's hometown, so he he he's got the the momentum. He's got the he got the uh, what what I want to say. Uh, he got everything that he needs to build everything that he needs to come over here and try to do the same thing to me that he did over there. And it's my job to stop him because every fighter that I fight looks at my fight and they fight as their one and only chance to start them. And this is their chance to make it in the sport of boxing. Terrence, I always love listening to your interviews because it's like this weird dynamic. You're like so overly calm and cool, like nothing gets you down, like, you know, it is what it is. And then obviously in the ring, there's that other side of you. I mean, there's, there's like a trigger sometimes being, be, being pulled and, and you become this, this, this guy intent on getting dudes out of there. What in your personal life gets you emotional, gets you to pop, gets you to fire it up? Because anytime I see you off camera or in an interview, it sort of seems like you're just this dude chilling around. What what gets you fired up in your personal life? Well, a lot of things get me fired up, but I just know how to control it and keep my composure. It's like a fight. You know, once you get in there and you get in a war, you you gotta stay calm and keep your composure and stick to the game plan. I mentioned sort of that moment sometimes in the fights, though, when you do sort of go on the offensive. And a lot of times it feels like it's it's the adjustments you make. When you go southpaw, guys don't seem to recover from that. And there's other boxers that flirt with that at times. But it seems like when they're flirting with southpaw, it's just something that they do. When you turn southpaw, the fight, a lot of times, if you look at your history, is over. Uh, explain sort of that mindset on when you decide to do that and, and why it's so successful for you. I don't know. It's just something that I developed as a kid. Um, I can see different things on different sides. Um, and I think that side it just works better for me at times. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the big topic right now, uh, this week, of, of course, is coming off that Mikey Garcia victory over Adrian Broner this past weekend in Brooklyn. A step-up standout performance at 140 for Mikey. Mikey's throwing your name out there afterwards. I want to get, what's your opinion on his performance in that fight? Well, he he never threw my name out there saying that he wanted to fight me, so there's nothing to say about him throwing my name out there, but he's he put on a masterful performance. He did everything he had to do to get the job done. He um, stuck to his game plan. I felt like Adrian Broner, he didn't let his hands go enough, and Mikey had his way with the fight. And 
Terrence, uh, um, I guess, you know, there's been this sort of discussion in boxing, this sort of people are, are so eager to see you get, uh, you know, a, a big name, a big star making performance for, for so long. It was the idea that maybe Manny Pacquiao would finally be willing to, to take a fight with you or, uh, or stuff like that. Does it, is it hard to watch a guy like Mikey Garcia sort of be gone for the sport from, from the sport for a couple of years, come back, and then all of a sudden he gets to, you know, he gets Broner, who's a name, who's a good fighter, and he gets to outfight him. But on some level, you know, fighting in your weight class, do you feel like, man, I, you know, I should have, I should have gotten that? Not at all. Not at all. Because, uh, currently Broner is not the top, top guy in a division. You know, um, he don't have a world title. So, actually, he's not the top names in the division. Now, and if he would have fought a Victor Postal or somebody like that when Postal was coming off of the Matisse win, then that would be a big name. Yeah, absolutely. Brunner got a name. Brunner got a name in the sport, but I don't, I don't see... Broner has a big name in the division because he he was at 147, and then he just came back down. Well, he certainly brings the money in the eyeballs at the very least. But when you talk about, I'm just saying me as a fan, I'm going to, if I'm going to say, if I get to play Terrence Crawford matchmaker, the matchup I just want to see so badly probably would be the Mikey Garcia fight because I just want to see what it looks like when you match two guys on that level who have such a polished skill set. Of course, both can punch, both can do big things, but just a, you know, a chess match, X's and O's potential there. I'm just finding out that you guys fought in the amateur and you defeated them. I had no idea about that. Tell us, you know, when that was, what what you sort of learned from that. What, what, tell me about that experience. Well, that was a long time ago. Uh, I believe it was in 2006 or seven, one or two. Uh, he turned professional right after that. Um uh, it was in the USA Nationals. Our styles, our styles have grown. Our style has changed tremendously, and his style have too. We both got more experience. We both got more more power. I mean, we both both got more skills. We both more polished. So, if we were to fight now, it would be a great fight as well as when we fought the first time. Did you fight anybody else in the amateurs that 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 not a lot of people know about? What other big names were you in there against? Oh, I fought Danny Garcia twice. Um, for Michael Dallas. For Miguel Gonzalez. I fought all the top top guys in my weight class. For um, Lucy, okay. uh, Magdaleno. Not Jackie, mm -hmm. but his brother. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, and Terrence, I guess you know at this point, yeah. After last weekend, the the sort of the the buzz that the Garcia Broner fight created, um, you know, J at least Jim Gray suggesting that that Mikey Garcia, you know, look to you for a future fight. Is that a fight you want? Uh, uh if you're able to, you know, win, uh, you know, later this month against Julius Ndongo? Well, of course, but knowing me, I never look over any opponent to to try to match myself with another opponent. I focus on the the task at hand, and after my fight, if, if God is willing and I get the victory, then that's the fight that makes sense and everybody want to see. And my promoter is on board with it, and so be it. Can that work though? Because sometimes boxing politics ruins good fights. Sometimes these sneaky matchups happen. Suddenly Amir Khan fought Canelo when we didn't think it could happen. Danny Jacobs fought Triple G when we said that could never happen. Can you against Mikey Garcia the way the networks and promoters work? Could that actually happen? Of course, of course. Any fight can happen in, in the sport of boxing if if the if the parties want to make the fight. You know, um they show with the Mayweather and Pacquiao, you know the two two sides coming together and making the biggest fight in, in history. You know, um, 
my last two fights with John Molina and Diaz was our hammer fighters. So that's a good point. That, that's a good point right there. I mean, that does that does state the case. You'll be fighting in Lincoln, Nebraska, for this fight. A little different than than the hometown of Omaha. Not too far, of course. Those Omaha crowds, TC, are wild and out of control. Like something we don't often see in the states in boxing. It almost had like a European feel. What describe what that's like for you? Like why why is that pocket? Is it a hometown fighter love thing, or is there just something about Nebraska that they're popping for boxing when you're headlining events there? It's just home to events. You know, Omaha is a big event town, and when we have a big event in in the city of Omaha, the, the Omahaans come and support, and there's no other feeling than to having another Omaha representing Omaha to be in the big event that 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 they have in in Omaha. So, of course, they're gonna come out and they're going to show up and they're going to support and they're going to do everything they can do to cheer that, that person on to help them or him win at whatever they're doing, being that it's not a lot of big events coming to Omaha besides the swim trials and the College World Series and crazy basketball. Right. And they will prop up our guy Ron Stander in the front row and let him shadow box. Yeah, you, you guys develop a relationship, another Omaha legend? Yeah, uh, he's cool. I've been knowing him since I was a little kid. You know, he would always come to, like, the Golden Glove tournaments and stuff and, you know, tell me good luck and nice. stay safe and keep my head straight and, you know, so, so forth. Absolutely. Of course. And, uh, yeah, and, and I guess, you know, one last thing here, Terrence, is, um, you know, I guess uh, for better or worse, what the, the event getting the most hype in – Boxing and MMA at the moment is, you know, Floyd Mayweather fighting Conor McGregor the end of this month. Uh, you actually are, are fighting just a week before that. Um, I guess, uh, you know, what, what's your overall take on that fight? Is it something that, you know, you sort of wish everyone stayed in their lane and the boxers box the boxers? Um, and, and I guess, you know, with Floyd, uh, I, another question is with Floyd, I guess, active now for at least one fight. If you win the week before, why not just for the heck of it? Say, hey, Floyd, you know, stick around and fight me. Well, Floyd already stated that he's not going to fight any boxers, and if he ever came back to boxing, it was going to be for Conor McGregor. You know, um, Floyd's very smart. He knows that his body is not the same as it was, you know, when he was fighting all those champions. And you got a whole bunch of hungry young lions that's, you know, itching to fight him and he knows his body's not going to be able to stand up to that you know being that these young hungry boxing lions got the got the skills too not only do they got the youth they got the skills and the determination and the hungriness to to push him to the limit you know and he he knows his body's not going to stand up to that now, Conor McGregor, on the other hand, he's not a boxer. You know, he's an MMA fighter that's going to come in there and going to come and throw a lot of punches. He's going to try to maybe outbox Floyd or he's going to try to rough him up or whatever he's going to try to do. Floyd's going to outsmart him, you know, because that's not his name. He's an MMA fighter he used to. Kicking, he used to grappling, he used to elbows, he used to using different tactics, not just using his hands and he can't use his feet and and other things like movement and all that type of stuff. It's going to be too much for him. It's going to be something that he's never seen before. Yeah, good stuff. Well, some people, you know, there was Mayweather Pacquiao, right? We waited five years for it. Some people think the next Mayweather Pacquiao way down the line will be Crawford Spence. I'm just saying, TC, some people think that. Guys like me stay up late getting excited about this. You think that, too? You think that thought? Well, that, that fight uh, surely can happen in the future, you know, uh, when I move up in way. But like I said, who knows what the future may hold. Right now, you know, I'm fighting at 140, and my goal is to clean out 140 and move up to 147 and 
that fight will be on our radar as well. Fair enough. One step at a time. Not not looking past Julius and Dongo. No reason to. A talented fighter in himself. All four belts at 140 will be on the line August 19th. Lincoln, Nebraska on ESPN. TC, Bud, in the house. Thanks for joining us, man. Best of luck to you. Great to get a chance to talk to you for a few minutes. Thank you. Appreciate it. Terrence Crawford, Rafe, I'm looking forward to that fight. Special thanks to to our guests for joining us. Uh, you know, you just want Crawford to get good opponents, right? You, you know, like Odongo is like a good opponent because there's two belts there, but you just want the politics to line up so we finally see TC in there one after another, not with John Molina types, right, but with good guys across the board. Yeah, I think I think I think that's coming. You know, I, and Indongo I think is is a decent opponent. I, I I he's a he's rangy. He's physically he presents some challenges for Crawford. Now Crawford is good enough. He should be able to you know solve them. But Indongo I, I think is not something to complain about or roll our eyes at. And after that, they, you know the the rumor has been that that Crawford is looking to move up to 147, where you know there is no shortage of real fights there for him if he wants them. Uh, Get so horned. he'll be right in the right in the thick of things. Or maybe if he stays at 140. And fights Mikey Garcia. Uh, yeah, that's not bad. Hey, this weekend, Rafe, we'll be quick on the way out here. We do have some boxing. The crown jewel of this weekend is another one of those top rank on ESPN cards. Headlined by Vasily Lomachenko defending that WBO junior lightweight title against Miguel Mariaga. It's a good chance to see another pound for pound name in Lomachenko. You're seeing it for free. I don't think Mariaga's moving a lot of needles though, Rafe, to be really honest with you. We remember him most from losing in that title match to Nicholas Walters in 2015. He's coming off a loss against Oscar Valdez. You got, do you pop for this fight, or is it just, hey, I got a chance to see Vasily for free on my TV? I think I pop for the chance to see Vasily on, on, you know, for free on TV, as, especially as a fan of the sport, as someone who wants to see him get exposure. It'll be interesting to see, you know, of course, the last one was Pacquiao Horn, and that's a whole different level of fame. It'll be interesting to see how, if, if this fight also crosses over to some extent in a similar manner, the way that, you know, people, you know, ESPN personalities were all tweeting about it. You had like Brian Windhorst and Ramona Shelburne, NBA reporters tweeting about it. Uh, they were getting horned. They were hashtag getting horned all of them yeah hopefully hopefully people get uh you know uh like uh a little bit of uh vasilied up i don't know what that means exactly but uh lubachenkoed oh Um, wow i like that that's uh, something new right but anyway, uh, and as far as Mariaga, I feel bad for this guy. I like him as a fighter. I thought he was kind of, you know, he, he, he I think he lost those fights against, uh, Walters and Valdez, but the Valdez fight is a, is a, one of my, my favorite fights of this year, uh, with just an incredible, it was the ninth or tenth round where, where Mariaga got knocked down and then came back and stormed back and kind of like shook Val- Valdez up. That was back and forth. Really the only separation was Valdez being the star who was going to win that fight and getting that knockdown. But otherwise, that was basically an even fight. Mariaga is good. He's tough. He's going to get, you know, uh, outclassed and, you know, look uh, probably like a fool because Lomachenko is that good. But, uh, you know, I, I like him, and the chance to see Lomachenko is enough for me. You know, and if you are building a narrative with the top rank on ESPN cards, and there are probably a lot of casual fans who have no idea who this guy is, you do want him in, in sort of – I don't mean to – to go back and be like, you know, a PBC supporter, but you do want to put somebody on free TV against somebody they can look really great against to then set the narrative and say, you know, next, who could it be? Could it be a Mikey Garcia? Which I don't think it would be, by the way. I would rather do the Riga, the Regan Doe. Just, you know, whatever it takes. At this point, I would throw as much money at Rigo as it takes. Any weight you want. Do the double gold medalist against double gold medalist thing. You can really sell that on TV. You do that on ESPN. That's a, that's a, that's a damn good fight, Rafe. Okay. For me, for me, I'm a, I'm a Rigo guy though. So that, that's the thing. All right. So that's not a lot of people feeling or, or, or smelling with the, with the BC is, is cooking here. The co-main is Raimundo Boltran fighting for a visa, Rafe, as he goes in there against Brian Vasquez. You don't care. Lightweights. You don't really care, right? No, uh, you know, I hope I, I hope he gets his visa. I mean, that, that, that's a, that, those are high stakes. <laughs> Friday um, night, though, Rafe on ESPN, part of this Golden Boy series that's still lingering. Actually, good welterweight fight in Indio, California. Are you making the trip for this? Mauricio Arrera against Jesus Sotocaras, ten round welterweight brawl. It's got to be a brawl. That I love when there's sort of these journeymen guys who have been to the top level can give us fun fights and they end up against each other. This is like digging deep into that Golden Boy roster, and being like, who's left? Who wants to fight each other? This is probably the best matchup. You can make on free TV, not bad, right? 
Oh, I mean, we've seen Jesus Soto Caras, you know, sort of deliver the goods on free TV and shirtless in the casino yes. over the years. Um, he was looking, uh, Soto Caras was looking, you know, JSK was looking pretty washed against, uh, Yoshihiro Kamagai last year when they fought. Looked like he might be done. But Mauricio Herrera is like that weird kind of action fighter who is, is more of a, you know, he doesn't have great power, but he's always in the pocket, always throwing punches, kind of slippery, you know, kind of fun to watch. And he's it got might balls. be, it, it could, yeah, he's got huge, uh, you know, that guy's got balls. I mean, you, um, you know what we would do with those. Come on, let me, let me put some water on your balls. And then after that, he's in the, right back in the pocket. I mean, <laughs> uh, no, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. I mean, the, the, I guess the down, the, the, the lower, low side of the expectations is if they both come in and, and clearly have like nothing left and they're, they're, they're sort of laying on each other and, and just looking yeah. sad for, you know, 10 rounds. And we got B-Hop on I'm, commentary and Oscar on a, every, every corner, every, every yeah. round, Oscar jumping in on commentary. Yeah, that'll cornermen, be. Cornermen, cornermen have plenty of water ready for those balls. Yes. Finally on Showtime on Friday, Clarissa Shields will try for a world title, I believe in what, just her fifth or sixth world fight. I don't have the stat in front of me. She'll be challenging Nikki Adler in Detroit for the WBC women's super middleweight title and the vacant IBF super middleweight title. Rafe, let's be really, really honest right now. Do you care? Are you at a point yet to care about the rise of Clarissa Shields yet? Just give me, give me the truth. This is this. We're ending the show here. Probably no one's going to get this deep on the show at this point. Our, our hashtag women's boxing head fans are not going to hear this. You care about this fight or not? Not yet. Um, I just, I, there's not enough, uh, competition in, in, you know, in the yeah. women's ranks at this point for it to really feel like it, it matters. Cause it's just sort of like well, Clarissa Shields is this great talent. They got to hype an opponent. I, she is yeah. talking trash currently on Twitter w- with another opponent. So if they can make it a thing, if they can use this broadcast to have that future opponent on, I'd be down. I love the the idea of fighting for a title earlier in her career. That's great. The thing is, Clarissa Shield fights kind of fun though. She's 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 better than the competition, but she's not way better where she can't get nicked up. I mean, she's going to be in there. She's going to be brawling. There, there's you can make some fun fights here. I like though just the purpose of it that Showtime willing to do this. Let me ask you. You 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 uh, you know MMA a lot better than I do. Why shouldn't she just cross over? Why didn't she learn some, you know, start training? That's too long learn, of a gap. Learn a ground game. Try learn a sprawl. Nah. Learn whatever the hell she needs to learn, and 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 go where there's the money. I mean, she has a gold medal. She has two gold medals. Too she's, long. She's a, you can't. Too it, long a journey. To even even in how broken down. I don't want to say broken down. Even in how early the the idea of women's MMA is still early, right? It's still early in MMA in general in terms of the right. Oh, but it's very even though it's very early still in women's MMA, it's too evolved. You know, if she has if she has no skill but being able to box, it's just not gonna work. Holly someone like Holly Holm at least was a kickboxer trained in it for years, trained in an She's MMA young. gym. Start learning now. Yeah, you're you know, right. Start, start you're learning right. now. She doesn't have to make the, the debut, but I think she should start well, learning because at least there's, to... there's enthusiasm there for it. She does have Mark Taff at the old HBO pay-per-view as one of her co-managers guiding her career. Apparently Rafe now wants to guide her career. But that'll be it on this weekend's of fights. We Special thanks to our guest Terrence Crawford. Special thanks to Rafe Boogs at Rafe Boogs on Twitter at B Campbell CBS. Subscribe, rate, and review all that good stuff. And come back again. We want to hear from you again so we can deliver those two words coming at you, Rafe. We out!